This is Live from the Table, the official podcast of New York's world-famous comedy seller coming at you on Sirius XM 99 Raw Dog and available as a podcast. This is Dan Natterman. I'm with Noam Dorman, who is the owner of the world-famous comedy seller, the ever-expanding world-famous comedy seller with locations in New York City and Las Vegas, Nevada. We also have with us Periel Ashenbrand, who is the producer of the show and also is our social media guru. I think, along with Nicole Lyons, who's our sound person and also helps with our social media. How is everybody today? Noam is on his phone. I don't know. Do you have business you're, you're no, dealing with? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, this is the first invoice I've gotten for the design of the new comedy club we're building. At the McDonald, the old McDonald, yeah, the former McDonald. I have to send it to uh, uh, Juanita because they, I... Um, uh, okay. Is it more or less than you were anticipating? The first invoice? Yeah. I, I didn't even look at it, actually. I just um, and and you plan it's it's going to be one room with a balcony, right? That's how you planned. That? That's how I planned one room okay. with a balcony. Okay. Yeah. Um, We're having it uh, designed by a company called um, Charcoal Blue. Charcoal Blue. Yeah. They French? No. And um, they're they're a, they're an internationally renowned theater des- theater design company. Um, Did they design right? the box? Uh, no, they didn't design the box as far as I know. But if you if you go to their website, they design a lot of fantastic locations. Well, we're and, all looking. They're, yeah. they're absolutely unbelievably knowledgeable and fantastic to deal with. What about the logo? Are you working on that yet? I'm really excited for... Um, uh, I, think, I think we have a logo. For the Menachem Dorman Comedy Theater? Oh, it's going to be the same thing, except it's going to have a Jewish star in the background. <laughs> no, it's... <laughs> it's uh, uh, the logo is going to be similar. We, I do I actually do have a prototype for the logo okay. for like what the sign's going to look like. Yeah, Morris, our our graphic designer, yeah, is in from uh, Germany. He's down there. Oh, it's nice. I'll show you. Can show you when you go down if you want. Okay, I'd love. Well, to see everybody's that. buzzing about it. Of course, it will be. You predict two years or so until What's anybody. What's the buzz? What's the buzz? Buzz. Everybody's excited, you know. But um, you know, they they look forward to it. But but it'll probably be two years. Would you say from now or a year and a half? What's your year best and a half. I hope I live to see it. Oh, for the love of. Are you are you are you uh, dying that when we don't know about it or? Well, we're all dying, but well, yes, but uh, some <laughs> some of us are closer to it than others. Are you implying not that, that we know? I mean, that's not necessarily true. I guess I guess this is as good a time as any to know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not dying as far as I know. Yeah, but um, uh, you know, I'm 60 years old, and um, things happen. That's you know, really you, you know one of the things we have a psychiatrist coming on um, psychologist psychiatrist he's a psychiatrist he went psychiatrist. but he he went to he's uh, he went to an osteopathic medicine school I don't know if what that means exactly. Well, but um, we'll find out. We can ask him. Um, in any case, what one of the things looks the, exactly like Jerry Seinfeld. One of the things <laughs> I did want to discuss with him, and, and since you brought it up, I'll bring it up now, is that everything I read, everything I read says that once you hit your sixties, your fear of death diminishes and your happiness increases. Oh no! So you you have not found that fear of death diminishing? Yes, I hear that. What you, that's got to be cognitive decline. Any idiot knows the closer you get to death, the more you would, well, you would, supposed to love Well, but it. that's what you would think. But somehow the brain adjusts. Not to mine. It. Okay. Not mine. Well, maybe, maybe it'll you, kick in in another couple years. Maybe when you start meditating and you become more one with Buddha, that'll happen. I mean, you you know intellectually that you're closer to death, but you don't fear it as much for whatever reason. That's how the brain works, at least according to pretty much everything I've read. Now, now you I'm may- petrified of it. Okay. I have young children. I have a new club to build. I, I, well, I'm estimating you. And now, now you're calling me abnormal. <laughs> Hello. Well, uh, he's here. Oh, he's here. Well, okay, that's fine. Uh, 
welcome to uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Larry Terlovsky. Is that Terlovsky? We were just discussing that you look like Jerry Seinfeld, number one. I bet you never heard that before. <laughs> uh, we were also discussing Noam recently had a landmark birthday. He turned 60, and everything I've read... Now, you're a, you're a psychiatrist, is Amy that correct? Schumer was just on my subway, so I just... Oh, she, really? She's on the subway? She was Who, talk closer to the mic. Who's that? Amy Schumer. Schumer Amy was just Schumer. on your subway? Turn up his Michael... And Michael Ciro. On the, uh, she was uh, with Michael Ciro? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I wouldn't think she took the subway. But anyway, I was discussing that everything I've read... <laughs> Very, everything I've read suggests that once you hit 60, your fear of death declines and your happiness augments. Is, is there anything to that? I've read that in many, many sources. Um, the, the, the happiest decades are your 60s and 70s, in fact. Yeah, I, I guess your immediate fear of death might decline, um, but there's, there's this fear of loss of control, loss of independence, a painful death. So those things all sort of go up. Wait, can we introduce So, so you're guests? saying that the 60s are not the happiest decade like I've read in, uh, of your life? In, no, in, no, I'm not saying they're not the happiest. You just asked me specifically regarding fear of death. Anyway, Larry Derlowski is a uh, board-certified um, psychiatrist. I'm and, a, I'm a, yeah, right. And, I'm, uh, yes, what? I'm just going to describe myself. You can describe me. Well, um, and, and you have expertise in psychopharmacology. Is that correct? I have a master's degree, yeah. I'm all about the meds, you know. All about the meds, okay. And a consultant for New York City's Metropolitan Jewish Health System's managed Medicaid program. Right. Uh, and owner and medical director of Vista Medical Services, which serves over 120 nursing homes. So you know all about the elderly. That's my and, main, and that's my main. The elderly and mental health, which is kind of what I'm asking. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, you, um, the, again, I think that if you've had a, I've had many patients who are not happy about, this was, just walking in, and, <laughs> okay. um, that um, are, you know, if they're not happy about what they've done in their life, right? And mm -hmm. if you're not happy about the conflicts, and I see many patients in long-term care in nursing homes who um, they're in nursing homes because they don't have family that are there to take care of them. So they have a lot of ish unresolved issues. So well, that's they're not seeing me if they're happy. I, mean, I think that that's ultimately, you know, there, there may be a filter there a little bit. But I think that in general, yes, if you've done good stuff, you could be happier as you're older. But then there's this loss of, the, you know, medical illness and, and um, pain. That's, you know, elderly people worry about being in pain a lot. So Aren't there drugs for that? Yeah, sure. But they've got bad side effects. I mean, you know, all drugs have side effects. People always think you take the drug and it runs to your finger and it just takes care of your finger, but it goes through your whole body. So I mean, I'm not particularly pro-drug. You said you were very all about the meds. Well, no, I, I meant I'm a, I, I, you know, it, it's interesting because we're, it's gonna, we can talk about therapy and I, I've done therapy. I don't do a whole lot of therapy now. I'm more a psychopharmacologist. Well, we, you, you but I do do. You, you, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, yes, my, my wife's a psychologist, so she does therapy a lot. So I, I hear a lot about it. Well, you, you take issue with Noam. Noam is famously skeptical of therapy. He thinks pretty much yeah. anybody can do it. Anybody with... <laughs> Empathy and common sense can do as good a job as any uh, MD psychiatrist or psychologist with a PhD. No, he didn't say psychiatrist. You said just like a therapist, right? Well, like I said, anybody. Obviously, 
a psychiatrist can prescribe drugs, right, but, I'm, yeah. but I'm not uh, skeptical of drugs. You're doubt, so are you doubtful of mental health care in general, or well, not? Not the not the drugs. He's he's he he thinks that therapy is just having someone to talk to, which he does agree is beneficial, but it could be anybody. Is that your Well, position? actually, I had mentioned this to Periel. There are actually studies to show that the level of training is unrelated to the level of positive outcome. Yeah, that's my, that's, that's my point. There you go. He wrote the... He, that's all I've obviously, ever said. Obviously, no one wrote the paper. The, um, <laughs> the, um, the, the connection and empathy... But the the difficulty with quantifying successful therapy is where's the start and where's the end? You know, how sad is the person at what point um, when they enter? Um, and when do you decide that they are good enough? And even then you don't know. When they run out of money. Well, no, no. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Actually, that was that was another question that, that Periel asked, that if a patient runs out of money, do you kick them to the curb? No, and that Dan, was That was Dan. my question. Oh, that, that was I your sent, question? Well, I sent oh. it through Periel. Okay. It, you know, it didn't sound like Periel. Like <laughs> so that makes sense. Um, no, you wouldn't do... I, look, there, there's a question of... I actually referenced, I asked my wife about this and she was, you know, it's a question of how long the person's been in therapy, uh, how long the connection is. Um, there is a, a thought and I think a reasonable thought that there needs to be sort of just like in legal situations, there needs to be sort of consideration that the patient needs to be paying something so that it's not gratis therapy. Um, because then there's not there's no skin in the game, I guess, on a certain level. Um, but we charge them for their own good, then. Well, yeah, I mean, I think there's. I mean, he is a doctor; he's entitled to be paid. But well, no, 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 oh, I don't him that rationale. This is this is if there is no investment, whatever it might be. Um, uh, I'm first of all, I'm thrilled to be here. I'm I'm a comedy <laughs> fanatic. Um, but can, can I say that? But, but even even what you're saying is interesting because you would never say that about an actual medical therapy. You'd never say, well, you need to have some skin in the game before I give you these antibiotics. <laughs> right. Exactly. Because there's no right, because yeah. there's no cognitive investment. Yeah, yeah. You have to work on the change. You know, you have to put put energy into it. I mean, you, you, you the other day you were the on on the podcast you were talking about when you were a kid, I guess, and you're in therapy and you got an idea that they were trying to figure out and you were out of there. Yeah. You need to be willing, you know. You need to be able to open up and examine and change. And, be introspective. And 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 I guess accept that you, you want to make some changes. You know that the changes are would be a positive for you. If if everything's going just great, then. I, you don't need therapy, I guess. I guarantee you, ChatGPT, in a very short time, if not already, could give all the therapy that anybody needs. I mean, it, 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 they just repeat the same things. Wrote, yeah, you need a human being saying it, but I, I, you know what? I take that back because that even implies that there's training. I am skeptical of the whole, the whole notion that. You don't think there's a human interaction going on between all of us here in this room that is next level and sort of that's therapy involves that. That's you're to, to think that a computer could print out a statement of, you know, how do you feel about that? Or your mother seems rather negative. I, I disagree. And I, I think that that will be proven 
without question. I don't think the secret to unlocking the mind is um, is requires a, a, a you know well you already said it doesn't require a complex degree. It's well, it's not we're not un, you know it's not unlocking the mind. It's it's dealing with life. It, you know um, my. A statement from my wife, who the, the, the therapist, is that there's no there's no cure for life. Life is an ongoing struggle, and things happen, and there are difficulties. I, I don't think anyone thinks that somebody's going to come into therapy, spend X number of sessions, and then. Bing, but good. here's the problem: there's so many different types of therapy, so many different theories about mm -hmm. it, right? And I'm presuming I don't know this that self-reported. Every patient, no matter, regardless of the theory, will report the same kind of uh, improvement. Not necessarily, no. That, I think that that's, um, I think there's a match. There's a match of people that will want to hear, you know, empathet empathetic therapy, want uh, behavioral therapy, want homework to do, want tasks to do. Um, now, I've heard that the cognitive behavioral therapy actually does work. Well, that's the because that's they, what I've heard. Right, because they can... They can look at have you done, did you do the steps? Right, it's measurable exactly. in a way that right. talk therapy, for lack of a better way of describing that. But you you go to therapy because you get um, a way to look at your life and who you are in a way that maybe you wouldn't otherwise. You get another perspective and you also get tools to deal with conflict right like if you had a fucked up childhood or you grew up in like an abusive home and like you deal with conflict by like screaming if you go to therapy and you're actually invested in that then you start to learn oh like maybe there's a better way to like handle my relationship all right, all right i take it back well you know it's, wow it's, wait, well, you know, it's, wait well you know you know it's also interesting about i mean because i have listened to the podcast and i know that i, I know that i have two attorneys sitting here you have a sensibility that the law is an absolute, that there's an actual sort of endpoint to that. I, I mean, and you attack therapy and mental health treatment because it's not exact and there's nothing, nothing you can really hang your hat on in solid. And in, from my perspective, the law is all over the place. Now, my feeling about therapy is that they, they, will, they, they create these motivations and attribute it to things that happened to you in your past and, and all sorts of mumbo-jumbo, which I don't think they, they know what they're talking about. And, and many of them are, I mean, even Wait, Freud, Freudian stuff is still considered maybe incredible. I've got, maybe I'm the one with the problem here, but you don't have early childhood things in your head that come up? That, that's, you yes, don't think that every, makes Everybody has early childhood things that come up. But to then say that that's what's causing your personality, which we know when we measure it from a different angle, is basically 100% genetic, is where... Whoa, 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 whoa. What, what angle are you measuring? <laughs> well, there, there's so many studies about various attributes, um, personality attributes, and even happiness, which where you know children separated at birth from their parents and adopted resemble most of all their birth parent much more than their adopted They have parent. a lot in common, but they have but a lot not in common. Let's give an example too. of an issue, which, which is pretty much alcoholism. 
Right. For years, we would attribute alcoholism to, oh, your mother did this, blah, 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 blah. And now we know, Al, actually, it, it's, it's passed on genetically. Well, we know, look, I'm not saying, I'm not saying. That, actually, it wasn't all those things. All, it was none of those things. Well, depression. It's in your blood. Look, depression, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, all psychiatric illnesses, psycholog many psychological illnesses are genetic and there are links. But there's also environmental influences that can tip things. I really would wish that I had an uh, identical twin <laughs> raised separately. That would, because I'm interested to know if I could have been healthy uh, <laughs> and could have achieved all that I should have uh, with a, with a, with a, with a different upbringing, or if it was all just a genetic time bomb. Um, <laughs> you know, that would be nice to discover a, an identical twin that was somehow. Separated and uh, and and I would learn a lot. You no, know? we do have that. And we, some guy that could, you know, what if I found out my identical twin, you know, got laid at, at, at in college? I'd say, well, mm, it was possible. Now, now, what about comedian Rick Shapiro and his identical twin? Uh, uh, are they identical? They look very much alike. I don't know if they 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 may just be twins that look alike, fraternal, and they may not necessarily be. Oh, I, I was under identical. The I, uh, they, uh, they probably are. He had a substance issue, right? Am I right about that? So what, what about them? Well, that would be an interesting study because one of them, we know Rick has had all sorts of uh, ups and downs, and his brother always seemed to be healthy. Rob Shapiro seems to be healthy. I'm not going to get into Rob Shapiro, but... but uh, no, so oh, we, we can discuss this off air, but they have plenty of issues. They both have plenty of issues. But your premise. They're, bo they're both very, very brilliant. We've all seen uh, uh, Three Identical Strangers. Go ahead, my premise. Yeah, right, right. But your premise seemed to be, and what I was sort of responding to, and there seems to be a sensibility that I end up bristling at rather regularly, is um, that therapy is bullshit. And you said that, I think, a few a few minutes well, ago. Well, it sounds like me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's what I that's what I don't understand. Okay, but but no Noam agrees that talking with somebody with that's empathetic and has common sense is going to be valuable. I think Well, then therapy's not bullshit. But, no, but what, what he thinks is bullshit, I think is the is the the science the, of it. The science of it. Like it, what are you bringing to the table and as a therapist that just a regular layperson couldn't bring to the table? Um experience with people who have there's first of all there's a structure mm -hmm. uh, you know there's there's a structure in terms of allowing people to get to um you know conclusions and not interrupting and not not being overly directive and things like that but there's also an experiential thing in terms of just having dealt with people who are having issues and see what works when, okay. when, when someone's talking to you about their childhood say again i'm not I'm you not don't a, I'm, that, I, I think I, I didn't realize the conversation was going to focus entirely on this because I'm not the person to okay, really okay. speak to having great experience. But I do. I do have a question. I, it's not going to focus. Well, we can talk on about that. other. Things. Okay. Um, we can talk about drugs. When right. somebody, I was, but that was a joke. It's not when, a joke. when somebody has therapy, yeah, and then you begin to see a, a difference in their the way they behave. How do you describe whether it's they've changed? Or they're controlling themselves, because I've I've known people like oh I used to get angry all the time and it's clear they're still getting angry they just they just learn to not show it. Yeah, but why is, what's the I mean ultimately if I have pain in this shoulder and I have the muscles around it compensate so that my shoulder doesn't hurt anymore, who cares? My shoulder doesn't hurt anymore, right? I mean it does it. The, 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 perhaps the the damaged muscle muscle has not healed itself. You're doing better. 
Well, maybe you're maybe you're doing better, but maybe also you're 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 dealing with more stress and and taking up more bandwidth because you're controlling yourself. Like, and maybe you are doing better because it, you're greasing your you're lubricating your life. So, like an alcoholic is always an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. He's doing better because he's not drinking, taking constant tremendous self control to to not drink. Well, I would as do- opposed to if you could talk to an alcoholic says, you know what, after this conversation. I don't want to drink anymore. That would be a totally that would be a game changer. If therapy could get you not not only not to drink anymore, but not to want to drink anymore, that's a totally different thing. Well, look, that I think that that speaks to having a level of sort of um, effectiveness through psychopharmacology that we don't quite have yet. I mean, there are antidepressant people get get on antidepressant medications they don't cry as much they sleep better they're more motivated they eat better um pain might go away so that i think is just a question of uh, can we can we tune things up a little bit more but i i i guess my um i don't i don't i'm i'm confused about what's bad about being aware of Self-destructive behaviors, difficult no, behaviors, nothing. and controlling them and managing them. There, there seems to be the way you describe it, it. It makes it seem like painful, heavy lifting. There's nothing bad. Whereas about for it. me, it's been you know because I've we've all had our stuff, and you know I've I'm aware. I can feel it happening. I think that's not going to do any good. It's not going to get me where I want to go. So I'll stop I, doing that. There's nothing bad about it. Just I've had I know a lot of therapists, and they'll you know tell about a problem and, and they and they will pontificate to me that's because blah 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 blah. well look i and mean I'm, and i'm and the bubble over my head is really like that's because because you have a degree you think you know what it's because it's you have you're like you're just you're just showing your badge and telling me what the law is like i haven't i don't I, it's it's all to me it's all an illusion well, it, that, look, nobody knows I, what it's because of. Yeah, you're right to identify this person has issues. We all know your issues. You know, you're, when you have issues, everybody knows them. And to think, I mean, are these people? Wait, are these these are licensed practitioners that are yes, yes, making yes. statements about people that are not in treatment with them? They're just kind of mouthing off about what they think is right or wrong. I, I don't know how to answer that, but okay. Um, <laughs> Listen, I, I do believe that serious trauma, I, I should not talk, any, anything I'm saying is about everyday, like, issues. Like, what it means to be, you know, raped as a child, in terms of that, I, I don't have sufficient feel for what kind of training might be important to talking to somebody with that level of trauma. So let, let me let me rope that off. Right. That's, I don't, I don't know that's real stuff. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what I'm yeah, talking okay. about okay. there. Okay. I'm talking about just the, the shit that most of my friends have, which I just regard as it's their personalities. And if if they and if they're open to working on their own personalities, they could talk to almost anybody and they could probably get pretty much as far as they're gonna get with the person with a PhD. And that's just been my opinion for a while. And it hasn't been um uh, I haven't been disabused by any personal experiences I've had with therapy or by personal conversations I've had with therapists. But, you know, I also say it to be, to be a little provocative because I know it bugs people. Uh, no, no, I know you do. No, I mean, I look, I think that that... And maybe I should talk to therapists about why that <laughs> I enjoy that. But. Well, no, I look, I think that... Um, look, how many, 
how many people go through, through orthopedic surgery procedures and end up messed up, right? I mean, everybody, the hip replacement is supposed to be, you know, smooth sailing. And then I've heard a couple cases of people's legs being mismatched. I mean, so you're, there's nothing that's curative and absolute, et cetera, et cetera. What I think though, is I think that therapy in general can be a positive and can be very, very helpful for people. Um, and I was responding to your kind of things, which I, you know. So let's talk about the other hot issues in the world of psych, psych uh, of mind, mind issues. Um, unless Dan, Dan has a bunch of talking well, points. Do any of your talking points have the word trans in them? No. But <laughs> Okay, well, I, 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 one I, I do th- want to get to the trans issue. One thing. I was going to bring a Bud Light in. It's, well, it's the hottest psychological issue oh, well, on we'll, the planet. We'll, right I, okay, we'll talk about that. I just had one question that I, I yeah. think I've asked other therapists before, but I'll ask you if, there, if there's any. Now, you don't do a lot of therapy, but you used to. Yes. And your wife does therapy. Yes. Are there patients that you look forward to? This guy, like, say you had, like, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know, Springsteen. I mean, he was in therapy, famously became, got very depressed when he turned 60. I mean, it, it, <laughs> uh, well, I read his autobiography um, and went to therapy. Now, you got to figure a therapist got like, oh, this, I can't wait. To find, I got Springsteen today at 3 p.m. Sure. I mean, sure. are there are there clients or patients? I don't like the term client. I like the term mental patient. Are there mental <laughs> patients that you look forward <laughs> look forward to talking to more than others. And others, you're just like, oh, God, this guy's a fucking boy. This fucking optometrist is going to... I don't... Well, look, <laughs> I mean, you know, people are people, right? So, um, look, you know, it, what occurred to me when I, when I read that question um, on the list was, um, you know, and, and comedians often talk about this and entertain sometimes you use that that charisma and that entertainment to get off the topic and to not really deal with what the issue is and to entertain the therapist mm-hmm. and and i've i've heard um people with talent talk about that that they will do that and they realize they just you know spent whatever they they spent 45 50 minutes just you know keeping somebody else laughing etc cetera, etc cetera. The, the job of a good therapist would be to try and move things back. But, of course, there are people you like more than other people, but that's the job well, what, is to what try and help. Springsteen calls you up? He goes, eh. well, I don't do a good that's Springsteen right. impression, right. but he says, I need therapy, but uh, I don't really want to pay you very much because I'm Bruce Springsteen, and you should be happy to have me, have me on your couch because i got great stories about Well, the, the, <laughs> look, that's already— uh, Jersey and the Turnpike and the music. Man, already, look, I mean, I don't think that this is anything— that anybody else wouldn't think, but clearly he's trying to control the therapy. He's, he's not invested. So you would in say, it well, forget way. it, or you would pass out, pass up the chance to to meet Bruce Springsteen. Um, would I pass up if 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 Bruce Springsteen is well, negotiating yes, for rates? Well, I mean, obviously, he would, <laughs> if you're if you're, <laughs> an, if you're an attorney but, and and Bruce Springsteen calls you up and says, I know you charge, you know, eight fifty an hour. Look, but I, I want to. I, I would say, but you're not a Bruce fan. I want to meet Bruce. Okay, well, no, then no, then no. You would do it. If I was an attorney and Bruce Springsteen was negotiating for rates that way, I say, you need therapy. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I think you, like, like this is this is yeah, obviously a Bruce wouldn't do that. But I'm saying my point is is how psych would you be to have Bruce on your couch? Um, or, 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 or do you, it would be just like any other, you know, not, well, look, the job, this job is still the job, right? I mean, it's still a human being that I mean, he was in anguish. He was really right. sad. I mean, I've read some of the comments and he, I mean, it's sort of what's whatever is, I mean, he's in front of a stage and people are cheering thousands upon thousands of people. He's an icon. Um, 
but he's empty inside in some way. So okay, that's, but there's a that. famous scene in The Godfather where he said, "Godfather, I'm I'm never gonna get this movie." And then he says, "And he's, he said, you can start by being a man." <laughs> that's well, a, that's there's something. I, that's what I would say to Bruce. Right. You can start by being a man. Well, enough of this kvetching. Right. Have you used, do you use the word kvetching in your office? Uh, <laughs> well, so you're you're from, you're you you are part of the snap out of it school of depression for Bruce Springsteen. And, and let, and let, I'd either give him drugs or I'm tell him to stop being a bitch because uh, because you're okay. Bruce Springsteen. No, wait, 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 wait. wait. No, now, you're, now you're dis- <laughs> now you're just just because he does it. Just because he can perform a great just because he can perform a great concert doesn't mean that he's not an angler. I hope. I, you're, mean, I hope also you're Robin game. Williams. You would say that too. No, I, th- yeah. I think Robin Williams has has needed, needed medication. Well, okay. Robin Williams actually was a sort of perfect storm of very, very difficult things. He had Parkinson's disease, so he had dementia related to Parkinson's disease. I thought it was Lewy body dementia. He also had, he had, I'm not sure if they they went that far. You have to really look at the tissue to be exact about it. But he also, they, um, he had had open heart surgery. And open Mm. heart, when they crack a chest for some reason, it really mm. makes people depressed. different. Yeah. And we're not necessarily depressed, but different, just very, very different, wow. la- largely depressed. I don't know if they, if that the person looks down at the scar, but there is just something that happens to people. Really? And yeah, yeah, it's a big deal. And not everybody has it, but it, it can happen. And he, um, he also, is, he had a show, it got canceled. So it was just this sort of... Perfect storm of there things. is no correlation. He was a previous. I mean, he had substance issues in the past, so his brain chemistry was. But there's also no cor- there, there you go. That's a word. Fachada. <laughs> there's no correlation between talent and wealth, and not feeling empty inside or depressed. I mean, that that's oh, yeah, ridiculous. I, this is a comedy podcast. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. You're and probably also, right. And also, well, it's not wait, talent and wealth. It's that. It's that. There's something almost narcissistic about having. Every single thing in the world, good you, that you, you anybody could dream of, yeah, and you, and complaining unless again unless well, you, unless you have some sort of uh, illness that yes, requires Bruce medication. Bruce Springsteen had an illness called depression. Right, so then you should get medication and or therapy. They're yeah. both, but, but the both, therapy in that condition, would, in that you, situation, there's be, something. There's, it was said, snap out of it. You're no, got everything no, you that want. would not no, be the therapy. <laughs> there's something that I'm, no. That I mean, don't you listen to Gary Gullman? He talks about the snap out of it. And how wrong that. Gary's had, was it electric shock? ECT. I think he's had a ECT. Over the years, I have tried Pamelor, Nortriptylin, Wellbutrin, Zoloft, Paxil, Abilify, Adderall, Ativan, Clonopin, Duloxetine, Mirtazapine, Sertraline, Apexa, Celexa, Zyprexa. <laughs> At one point, my doctor said, let's just try drugs that rhyme. Thank you, Dr. Seuss. Yeah, yeah. Gary has issues. Like, I mean, I, don't, I love Gary, but I'm like, okay, but first but, of but all, you don't snap out of it. You yeah. need therapy and or and drugs like and or me- ECT. Right, like, I um, feel like if people are ganging up on them, no, but, but, the, Matt, but he, what the well, thing, he deserves wait, it. Me, I just want to say, <laughs> I want to say one thing. There's something in the way you're talking about this, as if the patient, as if the patient, uh, because that's the way I think of Bruce Springsteen right now, um, <laughs> as if the person is enjoying yes, or manipulating. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. There, it is, there's an enjoyment to having people no, so, solicitous I mean, to you for your problems. Oh, Bruce, I mean, there no, might be... That. That. And, the, and there is something healthy about saying, dude, 
either we have to we have to do a, a, a workup on you to see if you have some sort of chemical problem. Otherwise, you need to get over this because okay. me oh sitting here, God. me sitting here listening to your feelings is oh, just encouraging Lord, you, boy, you to you. think that that you like this could go on forever. You're like a guy wow, from he, Queens he, in the yeah. 1950s. I, I mean, I swear. no, 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 Miss Display. Well, I said last week. Or Do we not raise our children this way? Is there some point you just say to your children, "Hey, enough is enough. Stop whining. Wow. You're complaining about I everything." Really can't believe you're saying this. I mean, of all the things you've said on this podcast. I never liked Bruce Springsteen. You, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you are, you are just, I'm jealous of Noam. He's so far removed from depression. He so doesn't get it. You're not listening to you me. I'm saying if it's depression it. that needs to be Of course treated. it's depression. Right, but then I'm saying I, they give him the pills. I said that over and over. But you think the pills is some sort of like magic? Like, then, or, yes, it is. No, it's not. They don't even, they don't, not only that, they don't even know why it works, but it works better with a chant. I got, but, but you know what's but, but what's, that therapy I, also can work in conjunction with speak, in you, conjunction you, with uh, medication. I don't and know exercise. There's like it's not yeah, just like take yeah. this and you're gonna quote unquote. And snap you certainly out don't tell it. somebody. Is there okay? Let me let, let me wait a second. I would, no, I would throw the you, question. Listen, you are an incredibly accomplished man. I, I mean, look, I have much. to. You are. I mean, I what you've done like with the cellar. No, it's true. And it is an amazing place, and the way you operate it. I've been to a lot of comedy clubs, as I said, I'm very into, and it's it's the best comedy. You you often say it's the could be the best comedy okay, club okay, in the world. A, a, I, but go ahead. No, no, no. <laughs> but if you were to come to me, yeah. and say, you know what, I just despite all these external accomplishments and my my marriage and my children and friends, et cetera, et cetera, I just feel empty and sad inside. I would never think of saying, "Just get your shit together, dude." I mean, what are you? Uh, okay, let me, let me let me let me let me put it a different way. Is there such a thing as feeling sorry for yourself in a way that somebody should say to you, "Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Enough of this already. You're doing it to get attention, and because everybody caters to you, you're one of the most famous people in the world. Everybody's just gonna and and it's self perpetuating. Stop feeling sorry for yourself." Yeah, but get over this. Yeah, but th yes, and behaving that way is ultimately self-destructive. The person is not accomplishing what they could accomplish because they're they need all these people to kiss up to them and sort of be nice to them. So sure, yeah, that's but, all I'm saying. Okay. I, I, he, what, what Noam is saying is, are there instances where depression is or or mental illness is no more than a cry for attention or a seeking attention? Are th does when you that, say depression? Or, you're, you're 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 talking about the disease. Being depressed is what you're saying. Being depression so, and being depressed are not so. So Noam is what he's asking is is it sometimes just an attention grab that people complain or about? People get addicted kind of to the attention. Kind of emotional blonde hair, huh? I mean, it's just like I, I don't I don't understand that. Um, sorry for the blonde, but I mean like women change their hair color or something. There's I don't, a difference between crying no, out for crying out for attention. No, no, men. A lot of guys. Let's do talk it about now. let's talk about other issues. Too. All right, no, yeah. no. Wait, wait. Well, there is one thing that I do feel incumbent upon me to say, which is that. If you were the person that somebody's going to for therapy, I think that you would be disproving your own point because certainly nobody's going to feel better going in and trying to talk to you and you being like, oh, just snap out of it. I don't know, but I think there is something about having somebody solicitous of you in an over-the-top way which might actually be counterproductive. To sure, the, to the, I, to the there is bad. There are bad therapists, and there could be bad therapy. And if people aren't confronted by, you know, ultimately self-destructive and self-limiting behaviors, that's not good. And if especially, I mean, you're, there, there's this kind of like money, 
money grab thing kind of underneath it. Like if a therapist is keeping somebody hooked and et cetera, et cetera, that's all bad stuff. That's not good. And certainly there are but, bad therapists, right? Yeah. Like if we were talking about this, Dan and I were talking about this before. I mean, I've been to therapists that just weren't very good. So that hasn't been as helpful as going to therapists. There was that story about the therapist that jumped out the window. Was that your? <laughs> <laughs> My friend did have a therapist fall asleep. I was, I, I was told that I'm supposed to, I'm speaking as a private citizen, not professionally here. And, you know, just through my experience. Well, no, my guest wants to talk about trans. Oh, I, I, well, I want to talk about this. What do you think with this medication in the Supreme Court and the FDA? Do you know what's going on there? About the abortion thing? Yeah. I, I have, I've been afraid to look into that. I, I hope they don't do something stupid. The, 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 uh, well, can you tell me what the Well, there, there, there was some attempts to limit the, I don't have a, the availability of the limit abortion? the availability to the, the, oh, the uh, plan B, uh, 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 induced uh, labor uh, pills, yeah. The Plan B pill? I don't think it's Plan B. It's um, it's a it's it's a you know sort of next day abortion pill. And what's happened is that the courts are stepping in. This guy from Texas, I guess, it was a next day pill, or even weeks later. It's a I think it's a combo. You have to take day this after, one, then you have to take another after. one, then you have to take another one. But the courts stepped in and are almost going to commandeer the fact that this was an FDA approved medication, and. You know, anti-abortion docs and people are saying that the medicine wasn't approved in a reasonable way. Well, they're pre prescribing it off-label. My, my, my big picture outlook on all the abortion issues is that we are going to settle into a, a pretty good situation. I, I don't even believe that—pretty good for people who are, are pro-choice. I don't even believe that um, in the most con conservative red state they actually want to— outlaw abortion and as we know that uh, Kansas had a, a referendum and and opted not to ban abortion and Kansas is like the most conservative uh, of the Wait. why do you think that that's true I don't think that because they talk a good game but the fact I is mean... that that uh, I don't think a majority of people and there's a lot of peer pressure but I don't think a majority of people actually want to see uh, abortion outlawed in very early I don't think that that's true well, we'll at all. See. Have that's you seen what's going on even in places like Ohio and Alabama? I mean, well, polls, Florida I think, just passed I think, I think, six I think, weeks. I think I have read that polls do show most Americans want are pro-choice, at least to some extent. Very few Americans want complete bans on abortion. A minority of Americans <clears throat> want a complete ban on abortion. What about and this is true even in, even in red states, as, as I, I, I've but read. My, my position on abortion, going back to when I was in law school, I've never been able to get past this, was that um, I didn't understand how in the concept of a, of a free society, one could not expect that the decision of when to, when to protect a growing fetus that at some point is even viable and obey whatever it is, uh, that that decision would not be something which a free people would decide democratically. I don't like that. I, I, I wish I could impose my choice on that particular issue, but that's not really the way it works. And um, I've always felt that way, and I never thought that Roe versus Wade was correctly decided. Um, but I think that most of the evidence shows... Now, DeSantis is obviously pandering right now with a harsh measure because he thinks it'll help him in a presidential primary because the primary voters do not represent the general population at all. The primary voters are the, the real hardcore fanatics, and he wants to position himself to the right of Trump on this issue. So, you know, uh, shame on DeSantis. 
but like but uh, zooming out, I just everything I see indicates that the country, even in the right, like they all said, repeal and replace, repeal and replace Obamacare, right? We all heard that over and over and over. And finally, when it came down, the, the Republicans had all three branches of government, and it came time to repeal Obamacare. They couldn't do it. They didn't do it. They, we, all we heard about was how they're going to get rid of Obamacare. So you don't think the religious zealots on the Thomas Supreme Court are capable of? No, I don't think you so. don't. I don't. I don't think the I think the the Supreme Court. Um, I, I can't speak for every member of the Supreme Court. I think the majority of the Supreme Court feels that abortion should be left to the states. I don't think that. That's, that's what. That's what the. If you read Dobbs, that's what it says, and uh, there's no reason to think that it's not doesn't mean what well, it says. I can tell you that this case that came up about the next day, because I was watching this, I thought it might get this discussed here. They didn't make a decision. They, it was like an, a midnight decision. They gave themselves a few more days um, to decide whether or not the FDA can make decisions about what medicines are safe for the American public. Well, I'm, sh I'm sure the way you're putting the issue is not um, quite right. <laughs> That's kind of a, a tendentious way to put it. But, you know, there's, all, there's a lot of doctrines that go on with whether a court decides something. There's, uh, there's standing. There's also this, this rule that they, that, that they shouldn't decide something unless they absolutely have to and that they, shouldn't, they should decide it in the least uh, disturbing way, like inter least interfering way. So there's a lot of reasons they might not wade into something which might not reflect how they feel about that issue. So anyway, let's see what happens. Uh, but I, I sure hope they don't um, stop that. I mean, it, it seems futile because obviously you can go on the internet and you'll be able to order these pills. No, no, no that's, they're no. going to stop that. They're yeah, shutting that down. How are they going to shut that? They're shutting down mail. They can't. They can't be produced and sent by mail. And you're See, not you know, it's interesting. Can't be. But, but how that, are you going to stop it? The doubt that you have about my profession, I have about your form. What? You how are they going to stop it? They'll they'll walk into a factory that's packing them, to, and they'll shut them down in another I mean, state. Yes. That's and, and how how they just explain me how they're going to do that. I will. So New York produces these pills. Okay, and then if you're the doctor who is receiving them, you can lose your license. They're even talking no, they're gonna, about they're pressing gonna, they're gonna charges. Directly no, to the they're, they're even something. talking about pressing charges against the women who are ordering the pills. Don't you know that abortion clinics are getting shut down well, all over okay, this listen, country? Listen, private abortion clinics. Let, let me ask you this, and of course, there's always going to be individual cases where you could be right. But if this was so simple. Why can we not stop these all the people dying of pharmaceuticals in this country? This is completely illegal, and we have the the, the highest rate of death from uh, You're talking about opioids. fentanyl, fentanyl, uh, and, opioid? and all, opioid, all all, all the opio opioids. There's well, look, I'll tell you, we can. I, you would think you would think they can make some. If what you're saying is true, you'd really think they can make some dent in opioids. Have me have me on again, and I'll talk about because I was in training when um, OxyContin came out. And I watched the medical profession shift. And pain became, I don't know how many, the, the fifth vital sign. Um, you needed to evaluate pain. We as physicians were not adequately treating pain. There was just um, the, you know, the Sackler family and Purdue, they did yeah. a great job at shifting and marketing. The family was were pharmaceutical marketers. That was yeah. the grandfather's job. But and so they came up with a chemical and they went out and marketed it and they changed the entire, and people were dying. And it was clear 
And no one. Nan Golden really rallied, the artist Nan Golden, the very famous photographer, she rallied um, so much against the Sackler family. She got them taken off, right? They were from like, the they, yeah, from yeah. the Met. From the yeah. Met. She, they donated like millions and millions huge, of they dollars. They had huge exhibits there. Yeah. They're yeah. Hard, I mean, it's uh, totally criminal. Yeah. Well, I, I really thought the Supreme Court sh- could have uh, legalized abortion in the first eight or 10 weeks. I've given my theory on that. Before, as a well, what a, if you as don't a religious, know as a religious thing? But beyond but what, that, what if you don't know you're pregnant? What what if you can't get an abortion in the first eight to ten weeks? What what if suddenly your health is in danger? What if you're a young girl that was raped by her father or her uncle? I mean, all, there are you're all these right. extenuating you're, you're right. circumstances. You're right. This is what. But um, this is thank you. So so wait, I didn't know this about. So you're you're anti-choice. Past a certain date, kind no, of thing. I'm not anti-choice. I'm, I'm pro-choice. Well, past a certain date. You're no, right. I, we all are. I mean, you don't want. You know, there's. But but, but, but that's the thing. Anti-choice past a certain date. What's the date? And who gets to decide? And that so y- your concept is eight to ten weeks. Is it no, I, I thought the Supreme Court could have protected it in the first ten weeks. Um, I don't know what you think. What I'm comfortable, but I know that um, my son was born premature, and in New York. The day before, we could have just had him killed. Okay, and don't use language like that, though, because it's don't use totally language like that because inflammatory. It's, it's, yes, don't say killed. No, no, when, listen, it is. Well, no, no, it's not. It's actually not inflammatory. What you're trying to do is temper the language to not say exactly what it is. If my son was born on a Tuesday, a healthy baby. And Monday, I could have terminated him. The ter- that's a euphemism. What, what if it's not a healthy baby, though? Or what? But he was a healthy baby. Okay, but I'm not talking— I don't have to prove that he wasn't healthy. What, 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 if, the, what if suddenly somebody finds out that it has spina bifida or the but life that's of— not, the- that's not the hypothetical that actually happened. The hypo- I'm saying in New York, you can basically get an abortion on demand to, to the very end. I, I would not approve of that. So who's supposed to decide— that well, I mean, I live in New York. That's that's what it is. That's the democratic process in New York. All the arguments that you can make on behalf of these poor girls raped by their parents. Well, I could say, what about this eight-month-old baby that was killed? Do you know the so percentage? So you'd be, be, be a great patient because you never have to say, "How do you feel about that?" Because you're just right there. <laughs> but, but you do understand? I'm saying, like, you want to focus on the, the the tragedy of the young mother or, or, or the the rape victim, and I, and you're right, that is a tragedy. But you don't want to focus on the tragedy of these. Viable fetuses no, be- who are killed, and and of course, if you kill them, the instant they come out of the mother's womb, the instant if you kill a baby, then you are considered in the top rung of hell of murderers. You didn't just murder somebody; you murdered a newborn. They said, "Wait a second, but five minutes ago you said that was my right, and now something something magical happened as it passed through the birth canal, and it, it became imbued with not just the right to live, but the all. This does not hold up, un- and it's about time people who are pro-choice admit that there's a, there's there's flaws here. So how are we going to decide all this? We're going to decide it by being a democratic country, and 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 in certain states." They're going to opt on this way, and certain states are going to opt on this way. And you know what? Neither of them are going to be tragedy-free. That's the fucking way it is. And also, it's worth stating that That's the, I see the, the percentage is like infinitesimal. When you start quoting percentages, you know we, we all roll our <laughs> eyes because you, you make this stuff up. I don't. It's true. And I'm what's, the percent, what's the percentage of people raped by their fathers who have abortions? Probably high. Anyway. Uh, did you want it to discuss trans with the good doctor? Oh, where, where are you on uh, Dylan Mulvaney? What's Dylan Mulvaney? Oh, well, that's that her name? Yes, that's her name. Yeah, she's, she's the, the woman the... who, the, the beer can. And... Oh. Well, 
I feel sorry for the uh, for the marketing director to who uh, the woman. Oops. Young, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, we have a, a psychiatrist. Don't you want to discuss the 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 scientific issues of trans? Sure. Uh, I mean, I, uh, well, otherwise he's wasted. I don't look. I don't. <laughs> I don't treat trans people. I can tell you that when I was in training, as a rule. You, ref- you refuse to treat trans people? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, if, unless they pay me. Like, um, no, look, I, I, I have, I've had, you know, I've had trans patients in nursing homes, actually. Um, I don't know if they were surgically. Um, if they had had uh, uh, the, uh, reassignment surgery. Exactly, exactly. Or they just dressed and... Um, I can say when I was You're not a very tra- good doctor if you can't tell the difference. Right. <laughs> well, I'm not examining there. Oh. So um, the when I was in training, we uh, there was a high rate of suicide amongst trans uh, amongst individuals that had surgery to change their sex. It was, but I don't know if the techniques were. You know, are better now. But was there There's a higher a community now? Of but was there support? a higher rate among those who who were trans but didn't get the surgery? Was that an even higher rate? Look, it's a, it's a, I, you know, the 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 thing about it is that of, of, yeah, it's a horrible place to be. I mean, it's a very difficult. I can't imagine. I mean, I've read things that trans people have written, talking about their bodies and their sensibility of seeing their bodies and finding their. You know, genitalia disturbing. Do you think, doing... and made this baby well beyond your wheelhouse, well beyond your expertise? Yeah, at this point, I'm just talking. Do, do you think that there is a, uh, a, a that the best solution for somebody who is trans is surgery and uh, hormones, or that, or that is there a way to, to, uh, or can therapy and or medication help them to be comfortable in the bodies that they were born with? I can emphatically say that I do not know. Uh, that's what nobody. <laughs> Well, I think think it varies. I think that there are um, trans people who are not interested in having reassignment surgery, and then there are trans people who are. So I think. But 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 my point is, among those who are interested in having reassignment surgery, is there a way to make them more comfortable in the bodies they were born with, so that they no longer wish to have reassignment surgery? I think the issue. I mean, um, Noam was just talking about age and time and stuff like that. The question is, what age? At what point do you allow that? And that's what's like in the courts now. I think there's all kinds of things being contested about whether or not schools will allow it, and and into um, uh, kids can be transit or kids, you know, at age third. And and when you when the hormones start, everything else changes. So you change everything. So I I I think, and again, I don't know, but I think it's difficult to go back. The, the problem with all these, this, there's so many problems with this trans issue, so, so many um, co- complicated things to think about. In, in no particular order, first of all, there is a social contagion. We know that there's social contagions for suicide. Why would there not be social contagions for people who feel that they've become trans? Number one. Number two... Do you see that issue with your kids and their friends? And yeah, I have seen like that. my kids and friends. Yeah. Number two, um, <clears throat> the, the science is all over the place. And, we, and it's, we know that the people who are responsible for administering these treatments 
are very often uh, true believers with agendas. There's a big, you know, Free Press had an article by a woman who basically blew, was became a whistleblower on a trans clinic where she was working, saying how they were ruining people's lives. Um, but for instance, just the notion that a boy who is given uh, hormone uh, puberty blockers can likely never have an orgasm. Like, this is a huge thing. I mean, I'd have to ask my wife what it's like, but I, I'm, sure, <laughs> I'm sure it's not, you know, it's, in other words, it's, it's a major thing. And, and in these conversations about this stuff, that's not put front and center. Like, on, on the one hand, maybe, yes, but on the other hand, you're, you're going to have serious sexual dysfunction. You're not going to experience, you know, some of the most important parts of life. Number three, there is um, there's tremendous bigotry on the part of some of the people who have the better of the argument, in, in my opinion. You know, when you hear people who are skeptical of some of the whole uh, quickness to um, have conversion therapy and all that stuff, you can smell the schoolyard bully in them, and that disturbs me very much. The way they insist on calling people a trans woman he or something like this, just this gratuitous cruelty, it seems to me, which, which makes me extremely uncomfortable, even when I agree, basically, with their points. I find it very disturbing and makes me wary of what they're telling me. Um, as far as where the whole trans movement is going, I think I said this before, but you know, if, if, the, if the goal of every civil rights movement is to show we're just like you, right, that's, that's to, to human, if the... If the um, Dehumanization is the, the, the root cause of bigotry. Humanization is, is how you break down bigotry. So we're just like you. We want to have families. We want to live wholesome lives. We want to work hard. We want to get fulfillment. We want to have the same values. The, um, the, the gay pride parade for me was always kind of a, a, a strategic mistake because, of course, it was raucous and fun, but it had huge phallus symbols and, and all sorts of, you know, bare asses and whatever it is. So Americans would look at it and say, oh, actually, they're not just like me. It's almost as if the Jewish day parade was just like dollar signs and banks. And, you know, like, like what do you, but when- and little failures. Yeah, but a little fail. But uh, Andrew Sullivan et, et al., their, their huge insight about gay marriage, and I, and I didn't see it, was that this would show people we are just like you. And all of a sudden, people saw their friends getting married or people they didn't even know were gay getting married and say, oh, shit, they want to have families. They want to settle down. They want to- you know, live normal, quote unquote, normal lives. Oh, I'm I'm open to it. Yeah, bring it in. And 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 you saw the whole the whole. I'm almost saying you saw the whole opinion, general acceptance of homosexuality just whiplash the other side. I believe very much because people got that insight. They're just like us. With this trans thing, you would think that the goal of the trans movement is to convince people. We're just like you. All we want to do is go to work, have our families, you know, do our professions, work hard. But the face of the movement has become this Dylan Mulvaney who's talking about normalizing the bulge. That again, this phallic. Now, we wouldn't tolerate a straight person for a minute walking around saying, I want to normalize the bulge in my pants. Like, this is not. But somehow we, we cowed because this is the trans woman saying, oh, that's, that's fine. Of course, let's, let's accept this woman. And I'm saying, well, no, we, you can be extremely sympathetic and 100% correct on this movement. We're saying, but you know what? This is gross. Like, we're not going to give up surrender to vulgarity. If, if, if your 
view of yourself is important to talk about your your penis and and the bulge in your pants, then you know that's not anti-trans to say you know what I don't I don't need you in front of my kids normalizing your bulge. That doesn't make me anti-trans. I don't want anybody normalizing their bulge in but front is, of my kids. But is, wait, but is she saying that normalizing the bulge is normalizing her? She became famous with this video. She says, I wear these tight pants, right. and I saw people staring at me, and I realized, oh, it's the bulge in my pants, and I don't want to tuck because tucking is painful. So I decided, you just have to normalize the bulge. And I normalize the bulge, and she sings this song about normalizing the bulge. And somehow she, she parlayed that into a meeting with the president, and now on, on the Budweiser can, I'm like, you know what? I mean, I don't even care, but like, I don't care. But this is, I think it's it's a huge strategic mistake. But but isn't the whole issue sort of that that trans sensibility is sort of part of this spectrum of human sexuality? So that you know, Dolly Parton obviously normalized certain bulges she had, um, and you know, Sylvester Stallone normalized other bulges. This is this woman's experience of her sexuality that she can be a woman while she still has a bulge and she is saying, I'm not going to strap it down and make it go away. No, this also, is who listen, I am. Listen, that, that's up to her. It's a free country. Right. But I'm saying as, as the face of a political movement, this is not, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge strategic mistake because as I said, like, as it's, I think it's perfectly valid to say, listen, okay, before I jump to conclusion here, how would I react if this was not a trans person? I say, well, if it was a dude walking, talk about, I say, you know, like, do what you want, but, you know, I'm not going to tell you more power to you. And if you want to come read to my kids, I'm not going to say, oh, that's awesome. You know, make sure that penis of yours is really showing. I'd be like, it's vulgar. Yeah, but I, don't, look, I, don't have to, I don't have to rewrite my whole concepts of, of what's vulgarity. I'm old enough to remember that Tom Jones made a lot of money because his pants showed his... Yeah, well, anatomy in ways that at the time were incredibly salacious, and it is. Salacious. I remember they would talk it, about that. that it is would salacious, go, but yeah, it, I think there's quite a bit of hypocrisy and a double standard here because American pop culture historically, before trans people were so front and center are sexualizing and celebrating all sorts of breasts and naked women and everyone from Dolly Parton as the fir- to um, Pamela Anderson and all, 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 I mean, you see it everywhere. D- Bo so, Derek. So it's like suddenly no, when all, trans d- people- Hold on a second. First of all, let's not mix show business performers with everyday people. If Tom Jones, if-, if, if what you're telling me is that if I see a dude with his prominent phallus, you know, bulgy his pants, and can I say that's gross? I don't want to see your penis? Or does that make me anti-trans? Yeah, but would you, I mean, would you have the same, oh, you're talking about, I, I, I thought we were talking about penises in general, not a trans woman with a but penis. But that's what I'm saying. Like they, they'll say like, so, I mean, how, how could you I, possibly, you wouldn't want you're to anti-trans. See, like, you don't want to see a woman. It's gross. You just we don't, you don't want, want to see any bulge, but be it Tom Jones or Dylan Mulvaney. And, and, and I don't want to be told that, that um, if, if not me, middle America says, you know what, that these, these, have, these have been kind of a sensibility we've always had. We're not rewriting them to, to be trans, but don't tell me because we're just maintaining our sensibilities that now we become anti-trans because we weren't even thinking about trans when we have a culture which says, you know, you should be a little modest 
about your genitals. By the way, yeah, I, but, 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 look, I mean, men, that's new fabric. I don't know when they invented that fabric, but women are walking around now displaying normalize themselves. The and men yeah, are, normalize the camel toe. Yeah, normalize the camel toe. And if you don't want to normalize the camel toe, you're, 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 you hate women. That's what they're saying. I just don't know. I don't want to normalize the camel I, toe. I'm looking, I, I just Googled Dylan Mulvaney. I'm not really familiar with her, but she looks a bit like Jenny Slate, I find. <laughs> you want to play, can we play that video, the normalize the bulge video? Yeah, she'll bring it up. And you, you, have you seen it? Have you seen it? Uh, you, you watch it. I, I don't. Is, I, yeah. I think that this idea of middle America and modesty is not really true, though. I, I think, and I also think that Dylan Mulvaney and this idea of normalize the bulge is really in reaction to this idea that in order to be a quote unquote real woman, we have to that trans women have to have bottom surgery and this obsession with trans people and Nobody their genitals. No, no, no. You your might not care. You might not. You I mean, might not but care. I, but that is the entire rhetoric that has been. I've never even heard anybody say that. That well, anybody, that anybody I, has to have bottom surgery. Come on, put put it up. Well, uh, I'm telling you. Did you find it, Nicole? Yeah, one second. Yeah. And and that is true. And if you go back and you research it a little bit, you'll find that that's true. That the first thing they're asked about is their genitals. Well, I'm going to say something else. Well, maybe while Nicole finds it. Listen, there's a tremendous amount of gossip that goes into this. The, the, this, this schoolyard thing that I said before. So I the, the way I found out about my friend, um, I don't want to say her name, becoming trans. And I knew she had been acting different from for many years already he had been acting different for many many years and then a gay bartender working at the underground he, at the time my friend was living a double life and the gay bartender working at the underground found my friend on some sort of uh cyber site where you know people were grinder or something like that some, something like that but, but some but even you know less and the gay part of the bartender takes a screenshot and sends it to everybody on the staff. Sends it to everybody. This is how I found out about her being trans. At that time, I was living double life. So I confronted the bartender. I said, why did you do this? Like, like he, she's obviously trying to keep this personal. This is my dear friend. She didn't want me to know. Like, you, you're outing her. And the bartender says, don't you tell me, as a gay man, I resent you telling me. And I said, don't give me that bullshit. I know what you did. This is this was you know gossip, gossipy, and you know and di uh, 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 what's the word for you know when it's interesting in a in a prurient way. In a, I don't know. Uh, you know. It, anyway, it was it was hot news, and you yeah. couldn't wait to tell everybody. And now you're going to hide behind the fact that you're gay. This is their their you know co uh, LGBTQ thing. But the fact is that all of this was trumped by being a bully. And on all sides of all political issues, people... but it also seems like I mean that's amazing that that a gay man would do that. I mean, horribly amazing. But it it seems like there's sort of an anxiety, just as this thing with Bud Light seems to be machoy men being anxious about gay women and you know needing to establish their masculinity. There's almost in that bartender's situation, he was somehow his. His sexuality was challenged in a negative way by a gay. No, I don't, that's I don't a therapist. Know. He wasn't challenged. It was good gossip, and and this is juicy. Was the word I think you were looking. Juicy for. gossip, and this is a and and listen. Yeah, but 
you, you know, to do harm. It was gossip to do harm too. A lot of gossip does harm, and yeah. I'm just saying that this is this is a fundamental part of human nature, and people love being bullies. And if they can somehow dress up their bullying in righteousness, then they're crueler even still. And there is and and a woman or a man who dresses in the opposite sex or is gay, whatever, this is, I think, fund. This is like the, this is ground zero for bringing out our bullying type urges. Perry Al's raising her hand. Hold on, there's no, there's no, there's no kid that gets picked on worse in grammar school than the very effeminate boy. And it's not taught. This is, this is something deep, ugly within human nature. That's horrible. And and I, I and and I think that, so uh, again, I I think that a lot of the people who are, who are anti-trans even where they're correct on certain issues, they might be, they're fucking bullies. And it, it, it disturbs me. Go ahead. Well, I, I think that that's well said. I want to tell you that there really is a history here about people being obsessed with transgender women and men and their genitals. And the, the thing that I was thinking of was Laverne Cox. Do you know who she yeah, is? Yeah, everybody would. Laverne. Her given name or? Laverne Cox is the X, trans actress from Orange is the New Black. And she, in 2014, there was this famous interview with Katie Couric. And she kept asking her about her genitals. And this really is... A- oh, but that, that was a different time. Back then... No, but this is no, no. what Dylan Back then, Mulvaney we, is... Hold on. I was going to tell you something. Back then, we didn't realize... We thought that if you didn't have the surgery, you were a transvestite. Who's we? I never the thought gen- that. Maybe you knew. But I, it, it was much later that I realized that... That it was, it was that you could be a trans person, but the surgery wasn't even part of it. We, it was in, in those days, we assumed that if you were trans, either you're going to have the surgery or have had the surgery. So it was very like, did Bruce Jenner have it? Did Bruce Jenner not have it? Caitlyn Jenner, whatever it is. I think now we've all learned that this is not an essential part of being trans. We've we've been educated, and now I almost never hear any. As a matter of fact, I think we all kind of assume most people have not had the surgery at this point. I, I don't I I don't know that that's true. I right. think that as long Can as you, you play the play the video. <laughs> this was the video which which I think launched her to kind of fame. Go ahead. Round of applause for the makeup. And I wore this outfit shopping today, and I thought that these might be my new shopping shorts. But I was walking around, and everyone was staring, and I was like, Oh, okay, what's going on? And they were all staring directly at my crotch. And I went, oh, I forgot that my crotch doesn't look like other women's crotches sometimes because mine doesn't look like a little Barbie pocket. And I thought, okay, Dylan, you have some options here. Number one, you can stop wearing clothes that fit like this and and just find looser fitting items. Number two, I can do a tuck, which is gonna have to be a whole other video, but it's very painful and involved of a Or number three, I just normalize it, and I wear clothes like this, and we all just normalize women having bulges sometimes, because we're coming up on bikini season, baby, and you might see a bulge or two. So, normalize the bulge. We are normalizing the bulge. Women can have bulges, and that's okay. We're not going to stare at their crotches while they're wearing their little shopping shorts at the mall. Well, Jenny Slate sings better. Uh, here's my commentary, yeah. if you're interested. Yes, of course. What she's saying, in my estimation, is that a trans woman has the right to wear what she would like to wear. Sometimes women want to wear bicycle shorts, or maybe it's bikini season, and she should be afforded that right. And we should get used to seeing 
bulges and it shouldn't phase us. I, I see nothing wrong with it. I, I, I completely disagree with your assessment of the situation. I don't think she's saying, you know, that a bulge is, is, is the face of the trans woman. I think she's saying sometimes she, maybe she wants to wear a pair of bicycle shorts. It's her right to do so, and it's her right to not tuck it what, in. What, what I said, and then, of course it's her right to do it if she wants. What I said and, was... And, and people should get used to it, and they should, because people are going to be seeing it more and more. What I said was, well... I don't know if they should. She shouldn't be forced to wear cl- clothing uh, that she doesn't wish to wear. If she wants to wear bicycle shorts, that's her. Okay, but if, if you want, if you were wearing skin-tight clothing, but listen, it's another issue. You, everybody can dress however they want. Right, what I I'm think that's what you're is, saying. What I'm saying is that there's a deep civil rights issue here about trans acceptance, about them being able to be seen as ordinary, everyday people going to work, having families, right. coming over to your house for coffee, in every way, interacting mm-hmm. as as everyone else does in right. society. Okay. This this is the great accomplishment of the gay rights movement. Okay. People who lead civil rights movements speak powerfully and eloquently and move people with the with the uh, depth and the and the righteousness of their cause. For for Dylan Mulvaney and these types of videos to be the most prominent thing that I've seen in terms of trans people fighting for their rights, all I'm using the phrase I use, this seems to me to be a strategic mistake. Okay. If the, if the goal is to have a change but in it, attitude but, about trans the way we have a, seen a change in attitude about gay, yeah. uh, this, in my opinion, will not accomplish it. Okay, That's what I'm your saying. Your assumption is that this is, and you may well be right, and I don't know, but your assumption is that this is the video that is the face of the trans movement. She's the most, uh, I, she's the face that keeps popping up. She's the one who met with Joe Biden. I mean, what, what, so you'd have like Martin Luther King meeting with uh, John F. Kennedy and Dylan Mulvaney meets with is there Joe, no, Joe is Biden. Is there no other trans I haven't, maybe there is. person that is the and, voice and, of and, the movement? And, and, then, and then on on the Budweiser can is Dylan Mulvaney. I, you have to know me. I couldn't give a shit about her bald I don't even. Yeah, but I, I think that, yeah. I think women with bulges is going to be an issue issue for the trans movement. And I the fact that she's putting it out there that this is going to be part of what America is going to have to deal with as the trans movement becomes normalized, I didn't think about it until this. But, but I guess but what, how, Noam, what Noam is asking is, is there a Martin Luther King or a Harvey Milk of the trans movement? Listen, I showed I showed this not video. Yet, I yet. showed this video to. Uh, uh, sure, there is. There's there is a few. I showed this we... video to to somebody we all know, a trans person we, we we all know, and she was horrified by it. She goes, she says that it does not speak for me because I'm putting some words in her mouth. What she would like to be seen is what I'm saying. She will say, I go to work. I I you know I I I, I relate like yeah, but there were also gay. I mean, there were people in the gay movement that put themselves out there that gay people were saying, I wouldn't behave that way. I would never speak that way. So to make change, you've got to be offensive in a certain it way. It didn't work. A little but annoying. No, that, that's exactly my point. All the offensiveness or even What about Caitlyn, Gen- Caitlyn Jenner as a more she's, she's a genteel spokesperson? But she's, but she's been, she's been cast. There's a lot of backlash against her now because they, yeah, don't, like her, for, they don't like her politics. Yeah, for good reason, too. A lot of trans people. Huge, are, huge mistake. See, point is, point is that she she was a very she was the kind of person. To say, sure, I don't care if she's my next door neighbor. She seems like she seems just like me. But why does it have to? Why why is it? 
that trans people have a responsibility to. Do you know what the word strategic means? Yes, yeah. I. Then, then, then why don't you why don't you stop changing what I said? They have no response. They can do whatever they want. No, I'm, I'm talking about a strategy right. to gain what he's you saying. Want to they gain. he's saying they need an MLK. It's, they it's need... upsetting because I don't know if it's doing like I'm trying. But, like you, you purposely or 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 maybe not purposely. Literally take what I say and twist it into something else and respond to something I, I, I hear didn't what say. Said. I did not say the things you're answering. What, what am I? I, I hear, what am I I, I hear what Noam is saying. Noam is saying that Dylan Mulvaney has every right to wear the shorts she wants and every right to normalize the bulge. Noam is saying the trans movement, in order to win hearts and minds, he doesn't feel that's going to win hearts and minds. Right. He feels they need a Martin Luther King, a Harvey Milk, some, 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 some. Harvey like Milk that. was obnoxious. Oh, was he? I don't know anything about. I don't know anything about Harvey Milk. I don't know anything about. But, about but a Caitlyn Jenner. I just say that because that's, that's the Republican. The only, God forbid, God forbid <laughs> she's a Republican. But a Caitlyn Jenner, a, a a a person who 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 like I say who 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 illuminates to us. Oh my God! I've been a bigot all the time. She's just like me. Why, 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 why did I care so much about what she did or who she is with or what bathroom or whether she's with my kids? That's a big one. Or whether she's my kids' teachers. But I want Dylan Mulvaney as my kids' teacher? No. I don't want my, my school, my kids' teacher normalizing the bulge. I don't want that. I don't want to talk. I want, I want Caitlyn Jenner as my kids' teacher, teaching my kids it actually doesn't matter that she's trans. But it's 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 an it's well, it's, un, it's as unimportant as her hair color. It right. doesn't matter that perhaps she's trans. that perhaps somebody will come along um, to 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 do that. I do think, however, hearts and minds are being. I think America's a lot more trans tolerant than it was twenty years ago. A lot more knowledgeable. Uh, you know, a lot less prejudice. So progress is being made. Absolutely. You're um, saying that strategically, it's important to have somebody that people can relate to in. I'm saying that people are modest about sexual things. Yes, Tom Jones did that. Tom Jones was quite controversial for doing that. And Mick Jagger did it. Too. Mm-hmm. But, the, but to now, what's always been controversial, people are not reacting to anything that they didn't always react to, that they didn't always find controversial. And now they're being told, oh, well, if you, if you have a problem with that, you hate trans people. Like, what are you talking about? I always felt that people should have a little class about how they present themselves in public, how they handle their genitals. Yeah, I know it goes on, and it's, I didn't ask for a law against it, but now you're telling me that if I continue to feel as I've always felt, now I hate trans people. Go fuck yourself. That's their attitude. Go fuck yourself. Fine, I hate trans people. Next kid. That, that's their attitude. And I, I think it's, it's, it's a mistake. Like, all right. did Joe Biden really need to invite, of all the trans people out there, he invites the one to the White House who's normalizing the bulge. If I were trans, I'd be horrified. I hear what you're saying. Isn't there, isn't there a, a, a beautiful essay writer who spoke about the trans experience in a way which could could make us all deeply empathize with what it's like? Shouldn't a uh, Maya Angelou or like shouldn't that? But be not, the, none of this, of course, is the fault of Dylan Mulvaney. No, I'm, no, it's it's our it's our uh, a fear of saying the wrong thing or or showing any judgment whatsoever. We all feel like if we're to say anything critical of anybody on from that movement, we're going to be called well, well, a, a I did, bigot. Yeah, but 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 the Republicans, for their part, I mean, I'm not sure if Trump had Kid Rock at the White House, but he pretty much should have. I mean, there's that connection. I, told, for, I started by saying they're bullies and they hate trans right, people. Right. So it's I mean, on both sides, yes. the extremeness. I I hear you. I, I said it from the first thing I said was yeah. those people yeah. who, who are saying some of the things. They hate trans people. I don't yeah. want to be associated yeah. with them. Yeah, I don't want to be associated because they're fucking bullies. They are. No question about it. Anyway, uh, 
Can we wrap this yeah, up? Yeah, because, uh, yeah. Because we do have a, a bonus episode. And I got to call my wife. He's Spe- call speaking wife. of trans. Thank you for <laughs> Larry Terlowski, uh I don't know if he's taking on new patients. No, 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 no. I just was, I, this was actually, I sent um, Noam an email and I'm right. a great fan of the, of the seller and comedy in general and seen you perform, seen you perform and. Um, well, you, you haven't seen Perry Al perform at the cellar. I no. saw her at uh, Stand Up New York. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for coming, Larry. And uh, continued success. Can you get me some uh, Adderall? Uh, I probably could. <laughs> I, it's, I think it's a triple script kind of thing. It's very. Um, I, anyways, um, what, do, what do you think about giving a, a ADD medicine to kids? That's a whole other oh, well, no, can no. of worms. Okay. No, it is. Anything. I mean, the amount of the amount of psychotropic meds that kids take now compared to twenty years ago is astounding. Yeah. Thirty uh, years ago. Anyway, uh, Periel Ashenbrand, our producer. Thank you, uh, Noam Dorman. Uh, call your wife and Cole <laughs> Lyons. Uh, the wizard behind the scenes. Thank you so much, everybody. Podcast at ComedySelly.com for comments, questions, suggestions, constructive criticism. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.